Welcome to Leather Brains, the podcast for fantasy football. Now, introducing your host, Hunter Slapdog Amaruso and Matthew Scotty Hopemeyer. Hello, you beautiful brainiacs, and welcome to another episode of Leather Brains. As always, I am your hostess. With a most is slap dog. I am joined here by my ever so good friend Scotty. We are here. It is Tuesday, August 23rd. Preseason football happened. Did you watch any of it? Uh yeah, I got to watch a, a little bit of the games. I, I have to admit, I, I feel kind of privileged. And I was reflecting on this on my drive home that this just is, a couple weeks awesome. ago. I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Just it, it just kind of warmed my heart. You're like, well, I'm very privileged. It was a nice well, start. I'm going to say that in in the sense that uh, I'm not appreciative as I should be, um, because just a couple <laughs> weeks ago we were talking about how sad life was without football, but now we have football, kinda, but it's still not it's not satiating my desire for football because it's just preseason, so there are no implications here. We're not seeing any of the names that we want to see take the field, and so it's like it's better than nothing. But I have a real hard time getting into it. It, it. You and I made some sports bets over the weekend, we as well as Yeti. And I didn't bet on any preseason games, but you did. And that at least made it a little more interesting, which a, a bet on preseason is is tough because it's just bullshit luck. Because you have no foolish. idea what the fuck's going to happen. I lost. Yeti, uh, on but the hand, that, that is something that I might partake in going forward because it makes the preseason much more interesting. It does. It sucks. Like I said, I lost. It was terrible. Yeti won. Congratulations, Yeti. Uh, happy for you. But it, it made the game actually important, perhaps, because they're otherwise, you know, I, I don't care about the third string Raiders player. I don't care about the third string Giants player. Like, I don't care about third string. I don't. As a Cardinals fan, it was exciting to watch because uh, not only did I bet on the game and lose my money, but it was cool because Kyler Murray was actually calling the plays the second half of the game, which was kind of interesting. Um, it made the game a little bit more fun for me to watch because knowing that the QB one was uh, was calling the shots was was kind of cool. So for the most part, I don't care about it. I, I, preseason is that it's that it, it gives you kind of an idea as far as who are the projected starters, who are going to be the team's main guys, because those guys are not going to be playing in the game or they'll play one series or something, but it doesn't matter. So I, I understand what you mean. And I, I would say that sport, that betting on the games actually makes you care just a little bit more and root for a, a team for certain circumstances to come true. So you can benefit from it for the DGen life. So mm, other yes, than that, yes. Uh, today we're, we're going to keep the episode somewhat short. Because we, we've got a lot going on here. Um, so t- we're just going to go over the news and we're going to go over the questions. So there, there's quite a bit to cover. So we will uh, we will do our very best for the news and the fantasy implications. And then, of course, answer your questions. We're also going to be toying with uh, live streaming. So that is something that we have, uh, we have talked about doing for a little while now. And uh, I, I think we're going to go into the beta testing for, uh, for streaming and, and see how that works doing some live streaming for our audience. Because... We want to we want to be there for you guys. We want you guys to ask questions live. Want to be a part of it all live. So I think it, it would be a good avenue to explore, and we are going to do so. So, yeah. Well, the thing too about just just to touch base on the the live aspect of it that I think our listeners are going to get a great deal of hopefully a great deal of value from that because we're going to be able to talk to you directly like minutes before kickoff, so we can discuss uh, you know starts and sits and that sort of thing 
right before the game on Sundays or Thursdays. We can have that conversation in real time as opposed to, you know, I, I, I like everyone else love listening to fantasy football podcasts, but ultimately when it's a podcast, you can only get so much value from it because you know, it's either old or it's not there for you right when you need it. So having, having the live element to what we do, you know, ultimately we do this, it's fun, but we do this to help people win their leagues or hopefully help people win their leagues. And that's going to help us do it so much better. So I'm, I'm excited for that. Yeah, no, I, 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 I think it is a good avenue to explore. We're going to do it. We're going to do it um, and, and see how that progresses. And of course, we'll still have the podcasts and we will post them. So if you do miss the live streams, it, it will be available for you to listen to. But just another way to connect with our audience and all you wonderful brainiacs. So we're going to go ahead and move on to the news. So let's get down to business. Let's get down. Let's get down to business. Yeah, I put the news together today knowing that we didn't really have a meat of the episode. We're going to go news and then right to questions. So I uh, I did not discriminate. Big news, small news, important news, unimportant news. It's all here. So I'll buckle up because it's going to be interesting. Locked in. Uh, first thing up here, we have word that Tom Brady is, he has returned from his mysterious absence, wherever he was resting or doing whatever the hell he wanted to do, contemplating life, wondering why he's doing this again. And also Mike Evans returned from his hamstring, hamstring injury. So it's looking like the Bucks are, you know, maybe in pretty good shape to tackle week one. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> there it was funny. Right before we started recording, there was a uh, a tweet that came out. There was some speculation that maybe Tom Brady was on the Mass Singer, um, and they confirmed that he was in fact not on the Mass Singer. So, for all of you out there that Damn. were looking to hear uh, his beautiful vocal cords, sounds like that was not the case. So, I, I am interested. Like, where did he go? What did he do? Is he did, did he go to the Fountain of Youth and drink another cup to to get himself ready for the season? I'm I I don't know. But I want to know. And I feel like he should tell us what he did because he owes us that. You went on like a two-week sabbatical. Where did you go, Tom? What did you do? Mm. Let us bring you. That is interesting because Tom Brady does not seem like the kind of guy who's just going to be like, I'm going to take a couple weeks off. Yeah, something doesn't seem like something he would do. It seems like this was a deliberate planned absence so he could do something else. What is it? I guess we'll have to stay tuned. See if he ever reveals it to us. But more important news here. Jordan Poyer is, quote, not quite there yet in regard to his return from an elbow injury. Uh, I only put this in here so we could talk about Jordan Poyer's wife. Once again, the the reigning champion of the Smoke Show Showdown because, man, she is a dime. She's beautiful. And I'm glad you put this in there because anytime I see Jordan Poyer's name, I just think of her. Um it, for those of you Rightfully who so. who I mean, are that's, unfamiliar, that's the correct way to approach it. Yeah, every year we do a March Madness style bracket in which we rate the wives and fiancés of NFL athletes. And this year, Jordan Poyer's wife won. She is absolutely gorgeous. And honestly, if I was him, I wouldn't be in a huge rush to return. You can stay home. Wow. Can you imagine leaving home every day? No. Like, can you imagine doing nope. that? It would it would be heartbreaking literally every day to leave mm-hmm. the house. Yeah, no, it would be... Someone should check in on his mental health. I agree. I agree. But glad to see that he's good. Uh, uh, Speaking of good things, Baker Mayfield... Huh? Officially named the starter. Yeah, this is so unexpected. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Who would have thought he would have won the job? It's it's absolutely... The fact that they, like, held on this long is kind of surprising, to be honest with me, or with you, because... 
he's very clearly the best quarterback in that in the in the Carolina's quarterback room. I mean, that's what he is. He's the best quarterback that they have. They well, went and they yeah. bought this guy. Like, There's what are you doing? Reason they brought him over. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I guess good news, but I, nobody in their right mind is surprised by this because everyone knew Baker was going to be the starter for them. So, good, I guess. Yeah, that's good. We also have some good news that Laser Jameis is officially back in practice after a foot injury from earlier this month. Um, I really hope that this is not the start of an extensive injury history for Laser Jameis because he has been struggling to stay healthy. He uh, has. Even, you know, from, from minor injuries to major injuries. So we're hoping that this ends the injury talk for Laser Jameis for the year. I'd like to see what he can do on this team uh, fully healthy. Yeah, 100%. And, and while we're talking to injury, I mean, Michael Thomas got a hamstring injury today, too. So that team, what does that look like? I mean, does that does that make you a little bit more hesitant on Michael Thomas? Because we haven't seen him play in two years. He's he's kind of tweaking some stuff again. Like, does that have any concern for you, Scotty? Um, not necessarily. I mean, it, hamstring issues, those, those soft tissue issues or issues are real common, especially when you're doing explosive sports. So whether you're young and in shape or whether you're aging a little bit, like maybe Michael Thomas is, um, I, it's not really something you're too concerned with until it becomes a pattern. So obviously he had some significant injuries in the past, but the wide receiver position luckily is not like the running back position. You're not getting pounded every single play. You have a little bit more longevity in terms of how long you can stay in the league. Um, so it's just one of those things that's, you know, injuries are going to happen in professional sports. We just hope that it's not a pattern and I, I'm still looking to target Michael Thomas and his current ADP. So it doesn't, uh, doesn't phase me at all. Okay. Yeah. It, I mean, I just, uh, we've talked about it before that offense to me is just a big old question mark, new coaching. Michael Thomas has not played with Jameis before Michael Thomas hasn't played in two years. Jameis's health issues. I mean, there's, there's compounding things. Alvin Kamara was a topic of conversation at one point in time because, of his legal situation, the team, there's just a lot going on with that team. There is a lot. And then they have a rookie in Olave who's, you know, sounds like he's doing pretty well from beat reporters. Jarvis Landry's there. There's just, there is a lot going on there. So uh, we don't root for injuries. Hope that both of those gentlemen are, uh, are okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd really like to see what that offense can do with a, with a, uh, you know, everyone primarily healthy. So We'll uh, cross our fingers and pray to the Lords that Jameis throws the ball to during Sunday games. Um, next up here, Alexander Madison saw playing time over the weekend, which is somewhat unexpected because almost none of the other notable players in this offense saw playing time. So he is in a contract year. Uh, what are the chances that they're shopping him around? What are the chances that they're saying, well, we got pretty decent running back depth. Um, and we probably, you know, Alexander Madison could be a running back one on another team. So you theoretically could get a pretty good chunk of value for him. Um, what do you think? You, you think there's anything to read into here? No, not. No, I don't. I, I think that Alexander Madison is a great RB2. He has shown that he can get it done as an RB2. That is what he is as an RB2. There are no teams that are desperate for a running back right now. And uh, and I I, I don't read into this whatsoever. I think it's just he is they want to get him some touches, get him some reps, but it's going to be Dalvin Cook until Dalvin Cook gets hurt. If Dalvin Cook gets hurt and then Madison becomes a, more of a focal point in that offense. But it's 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 Dalvin Cook and we all know that. So it makes sense to get Madison some reps, get him some time on the field, get him. Uh, I, I want to say reacclimated, I suppose, from the, uh, you know, part of the offseason and get him some game time. But 
I don't read into this. I don't think he is a trade target for most people, if anything more than just a depth piece, because every team is is filled at running back right now, and they have they have those roles ironed out. Yeah, we'll see. I, I think uh, you know Alexander Madison, someone that I've been targeting because I think he's probably my top handcuff option uh, later in drafts. And if you're able to get him in a dynasty league, um, just I, sometimes I just let the mind wander about the possibilities if he were an RB1 in a different offense. Because Alexander Madison has shown that he can handle that workload, and he does so effectively, and he, he's explosive. Um, you know, I would choose him over several starting running backs in the league right now. So it's uh, the possibilities are truly endless. So we can only uh, hope. I'm ending all of these headlines with we can only hope. So this is the hmm. hope podcast now. Okay. Uh, next up, Isaiah Spiller. Apparently injured his ankle in a preseason game over the weekend. As of now, it is not considered serious, but obviously something to uh, keep an eye on as drafts are approaching and happening uh, every day. Sure. I, you know, in, in a rookie draft, I don't think his ADP changes at all for a dynasty format. If you're in a, a redraft format, I don't know how I feel about Spiller because a, a lot of beat reporters are coming out and stating that Joshua Kelly is actually the RB2. He's kind of won that role, and he was in that role last year. Uh, you saw that when Eckler went out, Kelly was the person who was the the focal point to replace him. So I, I think Spiller is a good down the line stretch but in a redraft format i'm not i'm not too interested in drafting him because i just from what what the reports are saying and and with everything going on with the chargers backfield spiller's fighting for the rb2 role and that's just where his adp is currently at i i just think that there's other value that i would much rather have he is not a for sure handcuff like somebody like alexander madison you know that what he is and he is a locked in handcuff spiller is not that so do you take a risk with him and just have him sit on your bench for the majority of the year? I mean, it, we know, or, or we can presume, people like Austin Eckler, he is not going to play all 17 games. And that's that's not me trying to root for injury. That is just me being a realist because the volume that he sees, the workload that he gets, both as a receiving and a running back, it's is it sustainable? We didn't see it last year. He he was had some injury, and he overcame that, and he did great. But going into this year, can you rely on him for 17 games? Probably not. But to be completely honest, the majority of running backs, you probably can't count on for all 17 games. It's just not going to happen. There might be some injuries. There might be a week or two where they tweak something and they have to sit out. And that that's to be expected. And that's why I think somebody like an Alexander Madison is a great handcuff. Tony Pollard is another great handcuff. I don't even know if I want to call A.J. Dillon a handcuff because he's going to be very involved in that that team as an RB2 that is going to do a lot of different things for the Packers this year. Those are the people that I'm interested in because I know what they are. I They have proven themselves. They have locked themselves in at RB2. Spiller has not. So in a redraft format, probably looking at some other options myself. Uh, yes, agreed. But uh, now I can no longer delay because this is the most important news. <sighs> Snoop Connor, best name in the NBA, or in, NBA, in the NFL. <laughs> he rushed seven times in uh, his preseason game over the weekend. Keep in mind that Connor, as of right now, is ETN's primary backup until Robinson's return. And we still don't know when the F that's going to happen. So uh, Snoop not only is the primary backup, but he also... Uh, in his bigger frame, 
uh, could make a potential efficient goal line option for this team as the RB2. You imagine that without Robinson in, Connor is going to get some touches. Um, you know, He's going to see the ball every now and again, and there's a possibility because of his size that when he sees the ball, it's going to be on the two-yard line. Um, so what does this mean for Snoop Connor? Is he a late-round flyer? I know um, I drafted him in a dynasty league. He's probably not someone anyone's looking at in redraft formats, but give me the give me the beans. All right, here's the beans. In a dynasty league, don't hate it, but I don't love it because both James Robinson and Travis Etienne are extremely young. They are both young running backs who are very talented. They the the Jaguars last year spent a first round pick on Etienne, so they're going to use him right, which to me is somewhat foolish. I personally think because you found James Robinson. James Robinson was an undrafted running back who ended up becoming a focal point in an otherwise abysmal offense two years ago. Then they draft ETN. Why? In large part, I think, because Urban Meyer is a moron. After that, ETN gets hurt. And then it's still the James Robinson show. And, and, I, and I think that when Robinson comes back, it is going to be somewhat of a split backfield. I, I really do think that. I think that... If Robinson can get back to the old Robinson as far as his health, him and ETN are going to be splitting carries. And there's been murmurs from beat reporters that Robinson is actually the better of the two right now. So Snoop is nothing more than a depth piece to me. But with both of these guys being young, I don't see Snoop realistically making a huge impact on the field anytime soon, barring both these guys stay healthy. Now, if they don't, then yeah, they're in, you know, they're both injured right now, right? So there's there's an argument to be made, and I understand that. But in a redraft format, unless you've got like 20 depth, you know, 20 spots on your bench, it's just not it's not worth it because you can't predict it week to week unless it's in a best ball format, in which case maybe he's not a bad piece to own while while Robinson is down. But I just in a redraft style, I I I'm not wasting a bench spot on him. Yeah, no, redraft, definitely the the advice has to be just keep an eye on him on the waivers um, because sure. you know, anything can change at any moment. If you start, if you, if you start seeing goal line touches, um, then even as an RB3, it may be worth a bench spot if you have it uh, just because these other two guys uh, have proven to be injury prone in their young careers. Um, but with that said, for the most part, it's going to be someone just to keep an eye on. So uh, we collectively heard a bunch of hearts drop over the weekend when Khalil Herbert was carted off the field during practice on Saturday. Now, Khalil Herbert, obviously from a fantasy perspective is a you know value pick at running back, sort of that kind of handcuff option with a lot of people having questions about the RB one in the offense, but he did return to action the next day. So it doesn't look to be serious as of right now, but it is something to keep an eye on as again, people are drafting every day now. Yeah. And that's that. That's the beauty of it, right? Is people are starting to draft. It's draft season because the NFL season is coming up. And and Khalil Herbert is somebody who is worth a late round flyer on. I I believe that because Montgomery, while he is young, he had some injury issues last year, and Herbert looked good when he was in there, and he was able to perform as that 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 handcuff for Montgomery. So I like it, and I I don't root for injury. I would say keep an eye on it would would be my advice. But overall. The Bears scare me. They're not, other than probably Darnell Mooney, I'm not really interested in knowing much of the Bears because it doesn't look very promising. So it, to include David Montgomery, I, I, 
I'm I I'm not touching him unless his ADP falls drastically, and it won't because somebody yeah. will take him, but it's not going to be me. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Khalil Herbert's someone that I've targeted a couple of times in mock drafts. I don't I don't hate that option later in in the draft, um, just because I think that there's a good chance that Khalil Herbert starts to see more and more playing time this year. Um, but again, he's a late round flyer. He's someone that you're getting later in drafts, so he's not a huge piece. But we do uh, like the value where he's at assuming he is healthy. So hopefully he is uh, feeling up to par. Um, now we have news hunter that I don't know how you're going to react to. Um, this was, I've seen, uh, I've seen a headline that is similar to this in a couple different places. The buzz is starting to happen. Kenny Pickett racks up three touchdowns in two preseason games. And this seems to be maybe creating a legitimate competition for the starting quarterbacks at the very least it makes people wonder how long mitch trubisky is going to be starting you leave the 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 god mitchell trubisky alone i uh okay i have a question for you scotty why was kenny pickett in why did kenny pickett throw three quarterback or three touchdowns is it perhaps because he's the backup and they didn't want to uh, risk their starter injury? He's never played an NFL game before, and they're trying to get him exposure. They did the same thing with Tua. Okay. That was a pretty good answer. That was a good answer, actually. I was not expecting it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yes, I, I understand that. and I, I get it. I just... I don't know what it is about Mitch. I don't know if it's because he tweeted back in 2013 that he loves kissing titties, because I also love kissing titties. Um, we share a bond, I think, and and I'm excited for him. I realistically, I don't know how long he's going to be in there. I think it's going to be of a, this is this is his defining moment in life. I firmly believe that because and it, Mitch, I know you're a listener, so heed my heed my my advice. This is it, but this is it, pal. This is this is your last chance. Matt Nagy screwed you over. The Bears organization screwed you over. You were a backup for Josh Allen, one of the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And you got a, you got a second chance. This is your second chance. You were a starting quarterback. You've been gifted the starting quarterback role with Mike Tomlin in a proven offense with a lot of weapons around. You don't fuck it up because if you screw up, you're done. And you will be nothing more than a QB too. But, if he can do this and prove that he is still worthy to be starting, I think I think it is going to be a, he has to prove himself. And if he can do that, he will be the starter all year. Well, I'm I'm here to bring some realism to this conversation because that was all very well and good, made me feel great in my feelings. Um, but the fact of the matter is, the best case, the absolute best case case for Mitch is that he ends up like Jimmy Garoppolo. And he plays the entire season with a uh, with a potential great player playing behind him. But come next year, Mitch is not going to be starting for this team, pretty much regardless of how. Uh, well, he no, and that's and it, maybe he doesn't. But what if he actually comes out and proves himself? Another team might pick him up, yeah, and he might it, be a starting quarterback somewhere. I, I'm telling you, Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky waiting to be traded like Jimmy G. I would rather have Mitch Trubisky than Jimmy G. I think there's a lot more upside with Mitch Trubisky. He his his. I think that's a pretty hot take. I think that's a fair take. I would rather have Mitch Trubisky than Jimmy G, especially right now. I mean, Jimmy G doesn't even have a team right now, and Mitch Trubisky is the starting quarterback. The Steelers could have went and got Jimmy G, and they got they went and got Mitch. 
Mitch is able to move the ball with his feet. Mitch was way cheaper. Also true. But yeah, he's the better value pick. We all know that when you're when we're talking about drafting or trading, it's not necessarily you're you're not going after the top target. You're going after the best target based on the value. That was Mitch Trubisky, but um, I, I would argue that Jimmy G throughout his career has proven to have a shitload of success and he's not overwhelming. He's not a league winner, but if I'm I, choosing to have a, an older guy run my team, I'm choosing Jimmy G. First off, Jimmy G is significantly older than Mitch Trubisky. Um, no, Mitch Trubisky still because Mitch sucked for so long. Yeah. It's because Matt Nagy 10 years at a time. It's because yeah, Matt that's Nagy. also true. I'm not, you're not going to hear me defend Matt Nagy. So there's no problem there. Okay. Well, I think Mitch Trubisky, this is a shitter get off the pot year. And if he does well, I think he will stay. Or he will maybe not stay with the Steelers, but he's on a one-year contract. And if he can prove himself, he might go elsewhere. And he could end up being a starting quarterback. Or who knows? He might he might be lights out. His his failures were in large part due to previous coaching, and he they could have found a diamond in the rough. It happens. Maybe. Look at, I look hope Kurt so. Warner. I, I listen, I'm rooting for him. I'm just skeptical that that's going to happen. My guess is Mitch plays or starts three games and then Kenny Pickett's going to start at least seeing significant playing time and taking over. But I we'll think, see. We'll I think see. it's, it also depends on his health because if Mitch Trubisky gets injured and is out, I think that also is a, a large determining factor unless he just guns a blaze and coming out, just killing it every week. And then it, he, I don't know hurts his ankle and he's out for two weeks and they'll probably put him back in. But if he's just as questionable, then yeah, it's going to be picket show. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We will see. We'll see. Uh, next up here. Russell Gage is still uncertain regarding his return from a leg injury sustained last week. This combined with the addition of Julio Jones makes uh gauge a much less appealing option in fantasy. And more so that the, the Jones addition made him pretty unappealing anyway. Um, but now if he's going to start having injury concerns, that just adds, you know, adds to the fire here. So is Russell Gage still someone that you'd consider picking up maybe later in drafts? Maybe. I think it really depends on where he ends up going or kind of where he's fallen at as far as his ADP. I know he's going late. He was somebody that I was targeting a lot, you know, to, in the middle of the offseason, towards the end of the offseason, doing mock drafts, doing – um, a couple of real drafts for different leagues and stuff like that. Russell Gage was somebody I wanted because of the the potential that he offers. And then, like you mentioned, Julio Jones going there hurt. It hurt his value because who's going to win? Julio Jones hasn't been healthy either. So, and, and really, that whole wide receiver room is kind of struggling with injuries right now. Godwin, Evans, Gage, Julio, all great names but they have to be on the field playing in order for them to be relevant for fantasy football. And all of them are struggling in some way, shape or form right now. So I think it's kind of a crapshoot because if they don't stay healthy, they're all going to be involved. They're all going to have to be one person goes down and then the rest of them are there. The rest of them will be on the field. And if another one goes down, well then it's, it's going to be the next man up, but I don't hate owning Russell Gage as the wide receiver three in that offense. Curb your expectations wait for injury not that we root for it but if there is some sort of injury on that team and he's just chilling on waivers yeah i'm absolutely gonna grab him because they're gonna need help and that's what tom brady does is he throws the ball and he throws it very very well yeah i want a piece of that offense kind of like patrick mahomes like i want to get a piece of that offense i'd probably rather have at this current juncture 
more of the Bucks receivers than more of the Chiefs receivers be, solely for Patrick Mahomes' ability to run the ball. Tom Brady doesn't run the ball. He throws it. So that's where you get a lot of fantasy football value. I don't hate Russell Gage. It would largely depend on where his ADP is at. I do have some skepticism. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of sad for him from a fantasy perspective because it really seemed like he had a lot of potential to have a you know, to be a significant sleeper. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, final piece of news here. According to the NFL Network's Tom, uh, I don't know how to say this last name, Pelissero. Pelissero. Yeah, that was close. Two tries is good. Uh, the Raiders plan to release running back Kenyon Drake. So the question is, does this have any implications as far as this running back room is concerned? Obviously, Zamir White's got to be feeling pretty good about it. Um, but I saw a couple people talking on Twitter saying that maybe this is some renewed faith in Josh Jacobs saying, hey, we have a really we're really deep right now at running back. We don't need that uh, because we have faith in the running backs that we do have uh, to, to carry the load. What are your thoughts? Well, you kind of you and Yeti had been talking about this and I was uh, I was busy at the moment, but. I, I saw the the messages that were relayed back and forth, and I completely agree with Yeti. I think this was more of a financial piece than anything else. They have a lot of running backs in that running back room. They've got Amir Abdullah. They have Zamir White. They have Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is on his last deal or his last year of his contract, and they did not renew it. So Josh Jacobs is not going to be with him next year, you know, and that, which I think if you're a Zamir White owner in a dynasty format, you're looking pretty. And James White had retired, and they said that Amir Abdullah was going to kind of fill that role a little bit. They didn't need Kenyon Drake because they have they have a couple other running backs, and um, they, they just don't need him. So I look at it as more of a financial um, cleaning the books, so to speak. And, uh, and, and, and truth be told, Kenyon Drake's going to find another place to go. Not as yeah. a starting running back, but he, I, it's not like he's completely washed. He will be a backup running back somewhere. I'm not concerned that he will not. There will be some running backs that get injured and they need to re replenish their running back room. And Kenyon Drake is one of those guys who these teams are going to be looking at when the time comes. Will he be signed before the season starts? Maybe not. But if he gets let go at some point in time, I do believe that he will suit up in another another NFL jersey. Yeah, what's really interesting to think about the situation, though, is that they they just restructured Kenyon Drake's contract not too long ago. So it's interesting that they chose to do that and then cut him. So it's almost like something has changed. But the question is, what? What has changed? Did they just realize that was stupid? Or is it one of those things where they planned on this possibility all along? I think, if anything, if you're if you're going to squeeze some fantasy football relevance out of this news here, it is that... Um, I think it lends a little bit more credibility to the idea that they might run Josh Jacobs into the ground because they know they're not going to have him last year. It's his last contract. There were questions about whether or not they were going to utilize him a lot because they didn't really care much about his health um, or they didn't trust him. And so he wasn't going to play very often and he was going to be in a massive timeshare. I think that this lends a little bit of credibility to the idea that, Hey, um, you know, we need to use this guy as much as possible um, that's not to say that I'm excited about Josh Jacobs, but if you happen to own Josh Jacobs, I think this is probably good news um, for you, at least for this year. Sure. But also, you know, and, and it's, it's an interesting take. I don't, I haven't really given it much thought. I know you've said it a, a couple different times and I really truly haven't dug into it, so to speak, but it's, it's kind of an interesting thought because he it's not like he can slack off, you know, like if, if, if their mentality is to come in and just run him into the ground, 
use him as the the workhorse because they don't care about his health. From his perspective, I'd be like, fuck you guys. You know, but then in the same respect, you can't have that mentality because you have to prove that you're worth another contract somewhere else. So you have to give it your yeah. all. And it's 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 an interesting well, mentality. Yeah, the bottom line is from Josh Jacobs perspective, if this is the situation that he finds himself in, uh, this is great. This is best case scenario for Josh Jacobs, because obviously when you're being used as the workhorse, you know, there's a more potential for injury and this sort of thing. But this gives you your opportunity to prove yourself. At what, what would you rather have happen that he's in this ma- massive committee, his numbers look really bad, just in time for him to have to find a new home. And they look back on the 2022 season and say, well, you didn't do anything, so we're not going to pay you. He wants the chance to prove himself. Um, so I think if he comes out and they use him in this way, um, this best case scenario for all parties involved, uh, which is why I think that's the direction I'm leaning toward, although it'll probably be some combination. There's definitely going to be a committee there. It's just a question of degree. How much of a committee is going to affect Josh Jacobs' uh, usefulness in that offense? Well, and don't get me wrong. I, I'm not interested in owning Josh Jacobs this year. I really am not. And I'm I'm avoiding it as much as I can because where his ADP is at, there's just some other other more talented and more players with upside that I'm more interested in owning. So if he falls late enough, sure. But realistically, I'm, I'm not drafting Josh Jacobs this year. Well, and that's the thing. It's, it's all a matter of ADP because yeah, just given the uncertainty of the situation with how many running backs they have there, the fact that Josh Jacobs has not proven himself to be useful in the passing game, all of these different things make you skeptical about it. But there is some upside with the chance that they say, Hey, you know, we, we might as well run this guy into the freaking ground. We might as well do that. So there is some upside there, but the upside's not worth his current draft capital. So you have to find some value there. Maybe uh, by the time your draft rolls around, everyone kind of has the same mentality. You see him starting to fall around or two, and that makes it a little bit more viable of an option to pick up and be your, you know, RB3 or, or, or just a, a bench piece. Sure. That's it. That's all we got. That's it. That is all the news that we have. Well, Scotty, I think it's time for questions. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Terrible. Not even close. That was close. Do you have a delay on your end? That's a real possibility, but on my side, it sounded terrible. Okay, that was sounded great on mine. Mm, that's convenient. Anyway, all right. First question comes from A B C D E Q E F. A B C D Q E F. Clef. I don't know. That's confusing. Taking advantage of my uh, dyslexia. So you're banned from the show. Anyway, redraft one quarterback <laughs> trade question. Which side are you taking, Mark Andrews and Brees Hall, or Pitts and Javante? I know which one you're taking. I think. Oh, yeah, it's going to be Mark Andrews and Brees Hall. I'm all in on Mark Andrews this year. He is going to finish, I firmly believe, as tight end one. I think that that's going to happen. Some people think it's Kelsey. I am in the Andrews camp. I have pitched my tent on Mark Andrews' side of that. And realistic, I mean, both these, it's a very, it's similar, okay? Because I the first thing I saw was Mark Andrews, and I my eyes lit up. My mouth started salivating a little bit. And then I was like, okay, I need to look at the rest of this. And it's Brees Hall versus Javante. Javante, they are slated. Javante is slated to have a pretty big year. But they went and they they re-signed Melvin Gordon to a one-year deal. They're going to use Melvin Gordon. 
They're also going to use Javante, and I like Javante, but I don't know. I've heard rumors from beat reporters that it's 70-30, Javante Melvin. I've heard it's 40-60. I don't know. But I know that Melvin Gordon's going to be on the field. And they have said that, and by they I mean the Jets, and Coach Salah has said that Brees Hall and Michael Carter are going to be in a timeshare, but I firmly do believe it's going to be Brees Hall that is the key player on that. So I look at those guys pretty similarly. I think if I had to choose, I would rather have Brees Hall than Javante at this moment. Um, But, so you got to look at the tight ends. Would I rather have Mark Andrews or Kyle Pitts? Mark Andrews finished his tight end one last year. Kyle Pitts with a a good quarterback at Matt Ryan finishes tight end six. And I don't think, I think it's going to, it would be a, I would be surprised if he did that again this year with Marcus Mariota. So I'm taking Andrews and Brees Hall. And I'm running. All right. I want to offer some of my thoughts here, which makes sense because yeah. we're doing a podcast. So I, I would, true. You know, it makes sense that I want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, okay. So first of all, uh, Mark Andrews is the better tight end for this year when it comes to him versus Kyle Pitts. 100% agreed. But I think that there's a good chance Kyle Pitts exceeds his performance from last season. Um, I the risk of it is too much for me to draft Kyle Pitts with how early he's going. So he's not someone I'm picking up in most of my in most of my leagues. Um, however, there is a pathway here, given the fact that there is like no target competition at all in this offense. Um, Kyle Pitts is going to see the ball a lot. But, a but there's also Drake London. And Marcus Mer- it, yeah, those are the two. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. So. And Marcus Mariota is known for targeting his tight ends. He's someone that's done that more so than other quarterbacks throughout his career. Um, I think Kyle, this offense is going to be clunky and it's going to be hard to watch sometimes. But when it comes to Kyle Pitts, I think he is going to get a lot of action. So I'm not angry at Kyle Pitts. I just don't like, you know, at the end of the day, you're hedging your bet that Marcus Mariota is going to be able to get him the ball. And that makes me feel icky. So I'm not drafting him at his ADP. Um, but I do think that there is a pathway forward for Kyle Pitts to be a top three, top four tight end this year. Um, and most tight ends, uh, take a year or two to develop. And he was out there putting up over a thousand yards receiving last year, granted better quarterback, but now there's nobody else to throw the ball to in this offense. He's going to get targeted a lot. And by the way, with Drake uh, or, uh, uh, with London there now, you have an excuse or rather a reason for the defense to put their top defender on a receiver instead of Kyle Pitts. So there is an argument to be made that the defensive uh, uh, pushback he's going to be getting throughout the season is going to be lesser than what it was last year, which opens him up for even more opportunity. He's like 6'6". He is a giant human being. He is talented. But I just... If I had to pick Mark Andrews or Kyle Pitts, I'm taking Andrews. And I, uh, well, yeah, I this, tend this to, year for sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, in a dynasty format, I think I, Pitts is probably a little bit more appealing for longevity's sake, but Mark Andrews signed a four year contract or a three or four year contract last year. So he's still going to be relevant. He's still going to be around. I love Mark Andrews, even in the dynasty format. I just don't like Pitts's quarterback. And yeah, he's, he is slated to do great. He did well last year, but He's got a worse quarterback. He's got it. They have supposedly a wide receiver one in Drake London, and that's what we're all speculating and hoping for. But the offense is not going to be great. And and for that reason, in a redraft format, I'm taking the other side. Yeah. No, I don't disagree. But I'd also like to talk a little bit about Javante and Brees Hall here because um, it's important that we recognize that 
uh, Javante is um, last year. We can look at the stats. Javante shared basically 50% of the touches with Melvin Gordon. I think he's going to get a larger share this year, but there's no reason. Melvin Gordon is still a phenomenally effective and efficient running back. You know, he's, he's older obviously, and he's not as quick as he once was, but he is still very, very useful. You can tell because he doubled good the number of touchdowns as he ever was. <laughs> he doubled the number of touchdowns that Javante got last year. So I think Javante is going to be the RB one in this offense, but frankly, with Melvin Gordon siphoning off all those touches, I'm just not interested in getting Javante at his ADP. The other thing to consider here is uh, Brees Hall is competing for touches with Michael Carter. Okay, and there is going to be a committee there. We assume. Be nice. Be but, nice. But uh, Michael Carter is nothing compared to Melvin Gordon in terms of his efficiency on the field. Um, the Broncos have much more reason to play Melvin Gordon than they do over there playing Michael Carter as the bottom line. So all of this is to say I agree with you. I'm taking the Mark Andrews Brees Hall side. Um, but I just wanted to show a little bit of love for Kyle Pitts because I think on this podcast we've been a little bit too far down on him. Oh, that's fine. I I appreciate it because I don't hate Pitts. I just don't like where he's being drafted. Yeah. Okay. Next question comes from J Dubs two three zero five two four. He's in a one keeper full PPR league. Which one are you keeping? Michael Pittman in the twelfth round, J.K. Dobbins in the eighteenth round, or Rashad Bateman in the twentieth round. Hmm. I want to say Michael Pittman in the 12th. That's what I want to say. And understand all of these guys, you could pick any of them realistically because of where they're 18th round for JK Dobbins, who is currently in a redraft half PPR format going at like the fourth round right now. Okay. Michael Pittman is also going on the fourth round. Rashad Bateman is probably going, I want to say, sixth or seventh round-ish area. So to get any of these guys that late in the draft is freaking awesome. So I think I'm taking Michael Pittman. I think that is who I'm going to take, a 12th round pick for a wide receiver who I have slated in my top 10 this year. And I, he has got a significant quarterback upgrade. He is on a team that wants to become more balanced and not run the ball as heavy, as heavily as they did last year. I think it's Michael Pittman. I think that's who I'm going to take. I understand the value picks because JK Dobbins is definitely enticing, especially at the 18th round. He is, he is enticing. And I, I, he would be the other one that I think I would target here. Maybe my, maybe Pittman is just too high for me. That might be, I might be smeared by Pittman, but I just, I like Michael Pittman a lot. I find myself drafting him consistently wherever I can. He's got tremendous upside. And at a 12th round pick for a wide receiver who could finish in the top 10, that's a steal. And J.K. Dobbins, I like J.K. I have some concerns there with him coming back from injury. Him and Gus Edwards together could end up being something of a timeshare. I don't know. I'm not interested in finding out Michael Pittman. I know what I'm getting. So I think he's, he is who I would take here, but I, I could see an argument for, for the other guys truthfully. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling with this one. Cause there's no doubt in my mind, you know, I like Rashad Bateman a lot, but frankly, I think the value is too good for the other two. So I think I agree. It's also between Pittman and Dobbins. Um, Pittman represents the safe option 
that I think there is pretty much no doubt he is going to perform. I think he's probably going to be right at around that thousand yard season where he's going to be very usable with, with a lot of upside or potential to even go further than that. J.K. Dobbins, though, at the 18th round is a league winner, potentially. Um, if he ends up getting the primary role in this backfield in a run-first offense, we haven't seen the Ravens in their run-first you know, n- natural habitat in a while because they've had to adapt to injuries. Um, J.K. Dobbins is a potential league winner in that role if he ends up being more of the bell cow in the situation. But you have to also kind of tailor it back to the fact that Lamar Jackson is the running back one on this team. So when they get into the, when they get into the red zone, he's going to lose those touches. But in the 18th round, you have the potential to get you know someone who has a ceiling of you know high end RB two, um, and that can make a huge difference for you. Um, so I think J.K. Dobbins is sort of the home run swing uh, with uh, a lot more chance that it uh, that it doesn't produce. And Michael Pittman is the safe option. So it just depends on what your strategy is going into the year. Truche. All right. Next question comes from MPAGS02. They are in a 12-team Superflex PPR Dynasty League. This is a doozy. What do you think? Jamar Chase and Derek Carr or... Jalen Waddell, Trey Lance, Michael Carter, and a 2024 first. Wow. I, I like this question. I uh, This one is, I, I looked at it, I thought about it for just not that long, just kind of enough for me to like, what's going on up there, Slapdog? What's going on up in your mind? And I am, I'm taking the Jalen Waddell, Trey Lance side. I, um, it's Jalen Waddell, Trey Lance, Michael Carter, and a 2024 first. I'm not super excited about Michael Carter. Um and would maybe see if I could get something else other than that, maybe a, a second round pick next year. I don't or something other than Michael Carter, but the rest of it is juicy and I like it. I Jalen Waddle is him and, and Jamar Chase are from the same wide receiver class. It's a super flex league. And I don't like Derek Carr. Is Derek Carr a usable QB too? Sure. But Trey Lance is so appealing in a super flex league for his what he is projecting and and people are projecting that he is going to do in the coming years as a mobile quarterback who is going to be moving with his feet slinging the ball down the field trey lance is a spicy option with uh with a lot of appeal for for top 10 finish so i like trey lance jalen waddle obviously jamar chase is, is in a better situation uh as a receiver but jalen waddle i i'm I'm not afraid of as a usable wide receiver too. So you downgrade there a little bit, you get a huge upgrade at quarterback or, or the upside there at quarterback, a 2024 first round could be great. I'll take first rounds anytime I can get them. And then, like I said, Michael Carter, not super excited about, but maybe see if I could work that out and get something else, but he's still an RB two, not for fantasy, but in, in reality. And so if something happens to Brees Hall, well, there you go. So that's, yeah. that's the side I'm taking on this one, but it is a good question. And it it is, there's an argument for a fair trade here, I think. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's a fair trade. Um, ultimately I'm going to agree with you. And the reason is this, um, in a super flex league quarterback is obviously a hugely important position. Trey Lance is a league winner at quarterback. He is going to come out and at the very least, he's going to rush 10 times a game and have the opportunity to have a very, very safe floor for you. And that's assuming he's not able to put together something in the air, which I think he'll be able to do. So I think Trey Lance is dangerous. And Jamar Chase, obviously, is also dangerous. But the wide receiver position is is very, very deep. And ultimately, Jamar Chase is arguably the best of the best. But when you drop down to the second tier, 
the difference is not that huge. So you're able to get some value and you likely have some value at wide receiver already, whereas the quarterback position in a super flex league is a lot slimmer. So I would take all the opportunities I could get to get Trey Lance. I agree with you 100%. All right, the next let me question ask you this question. From, I'm gonna, oh, let me ask oh, Okay, it. I'm going to ask it. This is from No Caramel 909. He's in a 12-team redraft PPR league. Scotty, are you taking Adam Thielen or Romandre Stevenson? Give me that boy Thielen. Uh, redraft right. PPR league. I am taking Thielen all day long. I don't. I'm scared of the backfield on the other side. Uh, and at the very least, Adam Thielen is going to give you six, seven games of productivity with the potential for a lot of touchdown upside. Um, I think he is due for a lot of regression. I think that we he has been built up on false numbers largely just because he was able to see the end zone so often. And I think that eventually is going to come to an end. Also, his health is in question. But at the very least, you know you're going to get some production from him at least at the very uh, at the beginning of the year. Um, so I would and take that. I mean, his ADP is reflecting of that. Like his ADP is yeah. not high. I would agree with you completely for everything that you just stated. Don't want to touch the Patriots backfield. Adam Thielen is a juicy wide receiver too with weekly upside. I'm taking that. Next question. I'm gonna go. I'm I'm ripping today, Scotty. Fighting the good fight 17 asks us in a half PPR redraft, one quarterback league. Saquon Barkley and TJ Hawkinson, or James Connor and Darren the Walrus Waller. Hmm. <laughs> I guess it depends. It goes back to the, the risk versus safe play. Um, it, for me, it's going to depend on what the rest of your team looks like because Saquon Bar- Barkley is a potential league winner, uh, but obviously with significant injury history. So you have to take that into account. Um, me personally, if I was in this situation, I'm taking Saquon uh, because I am in it to win fantasy football. I'm not in it to come in second place. But you do have to recognize the risks associated with that. James Conner is going to be a great back this year. He's someone that I'm targeting a lot. Um, and Darren Waller is also in an explosive offense, albeit with a little bit more co- uh, target competition this upcoming year. Um, so I'd be happy with either side. But I think if you're trying to win your league, you got to go Saquon. I struggle with this. I really do struggle with this. I I because I like both parties. Like, honestly, I think you're trading tit for tat on this one. Um, I think I'm going to go Barkley and Hawkinson though. I, and really it's not because of the running backs. Like I, that is, I like both Barkley and Connor at their ADPs. Barkley's going a little bit before Connor. Um, I like Hawkinson. I'm excited for him this year. He, he got injured last year and was not able to, um, exceed the expectations that a lot of people had for him. So if he can stay healthy this year for the Lions, I I think he is due for a much better year than last year. And it's because they don't have a lot. They don't. They have Amon or Amon Ra St. Brown. They have Devontae or uh, not Devontae Parker. Um, can't remember the wide receiver from the Jaguars. His name is currently escaping me. Um they just they don't they don't have a lot of way and then they have DeAndre Swift. I think Hawkinson is a great out for uh, Jared Goff and um, and I, I think that he's going to be be decent this year. Darren Waller, like you mentioned, I, Darren Waller has had some injury history. He's a little bit older. And more than anything else, there's a lot of mouths to feed in that offense. So I think 
between Saquon, if he can stay healthy, is going to finish better than James Conner. And Hawkinson is maybe not as talented as Waller, but is maybe a situation in which they lean on him a little bit more. I think that's why I'm going to take that side. All right, next question comes from Atticus F. What do you think of Travis Etienne's potential? Uh, he apparently traded away Tony Pollard because he has Zeke, Chubb, Mixon, Gibson, and Etienne as his running backs, and his wide receivers are getting old. All this is to say, what do you think about Travis Etienne, uh, and what do you think <laughs> about his running back room? I would start trading some of those guys away. Namely, Antonio Gibson. I would get what you can for him, sell him is what I would be doing. If I, I don't own him, I'm not interested in him and probably Zeke as well. The other guys you're fine. I like Joe Mixon this year, Nick Chubb. I actually sold in one of my dynasty leagues cause I have some youth at, at the running back position and I could still get a lot of value for him, but he is going to be fine this year. He's going to be a good running back this year, but I wanted to trade him while he still had a shit ton of value before that starts declining, whether that be next year or not. I'm not sure. I let him go, but Zeke, is in my opinion on a downward spiral and Gibson is also, he's got problems with fumbling. They have a plentiful running back room and I don't at the end of last year, Gibson looked really, really great. He did. He looked like, he looked like a good value to have, but then they went and they, they JK Dobbins came back or not JK Dobbins, uh, J, JD McKissick came back. They drafted another right or running back. It's murky. Not interested. I would be selling him. A Travis Etienne, I like. I would keep Travis Etienne if I were you. He's young. He did have a, an injury that enabled him not to play last year, but he is currently outlooked to be starting week one. He will be starting week one. And if he can stay healthy, he's going to be ever prevalent in that offense. As we mentioned a little bit earlier in the podcast, James Robinson is somebody who I, I do like James Robinson a lot. And I think both of these guys are going to be worked in as some sort of committee because Robinson, previous to injury, was just too talented not to be on the field he was doing a lot for a team that was sad i like etn though i think he's got a lot of value and i uh i think this year he's definitely going to be usable to what degree i'm not too sure because i think that in large part will be determined upon robinson's return yeah no i i agree with everything you said if you're able to sell gibson right now um, it's looking like he is at the highest value that he is going to be for the foreseeable future. So now is the time to sell him before people realize that this is a ridiculous committee that they can't trust. So get rid of Gibson while you can. Uh, I don't know how I feel about the fact that you traded Pollard away. though. Um, of all the running backs in this room, I would have kept Pollard probably. Um, and even if you have Zeke, I mean, you know, both of them are stealing targets from each other, but if one of them goes down, the other one becomes so much more valuable. That's, that is a great handcuff option. So I probably wouldn't have traded that away in the first place. Uh, but yeah, I mean, going forward, I think getting rid of Gibson has got to be top priority and maybe get some more value there. And then Chubb, I agree with you. I think is you know, Chubb and Zeke, you know, Zeke, but, but is, Chubb, Zeke is the Chubb definition and... of running back. I was just going to say Chubb is still usable this year. Zeke, yeah, I have no concerns doubt. that if he gets injured this year or, or injured, he's he's not going to come back. Yeah, no doubt about that. I, the reason I would sell Chubb is because if you can rely on Mixon and ETN as your two primary backs, you're going to be just fine. And right now you can still get a lot of value for Chubb as well. Um, Zeke, you know, I, I if you were to look up the definition of the running back dead zone, there'd be a big picture of Zeke there because you can't trust 
anything with this guy. You don't know if he's going to be on the field. He fumbles more than almost any other running back in the league. Um, when he's on his game back in you know 2017 or whatever, he was phenomenal, but we are far away from that point in his career. Um, so Zeke, I'm trying to move away from as much as possible. That's actually why I target Tony Pollard, because I think that there is a chance either Zeke gets injured or he fumbles away his job and Pollard becomes a bell cow running back in that offense, which I'd be really excited about. So all that is to say, uh, you know, top one action item, trade Gibson away, get some value for him while you can. Yeet. All right, next question comes from Skrillbert8. He is in a two-keeper league with no draft capital penalty. He has the number two pick in the draft, and his keeper options are Henry, Josh Allen, Michael Pittman, and Cam Akers. He is going to be keeping Henry, sure about that, and he's leaning towards Josh Allen as his other uh, as his other keeper, but his ADP is around 40. Figure most of the other teams will be keeping players in the top 20. What do we do here? Slapdog, tell him what to do. Yo, Scrober, thanks for the question, brother. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, no, you're keeping Henry. I like that. I, I mean, there is some injury concern there, and truth be told, I'm not drafting Henry this year. Because uh, I have concerns. I don't think the Titans are going to be that great this year. I think they're going to rely on him a lot. And I think that given his age, their offensive line, he's not going to be great. But he's still got potential. He has finished as a league winner multiple times year over year. And I, you got to keep him. And I understand that. Um, as number two, it's Pity City, baby. It's Pity City for me. Um, it's either him or Cam Akers, realistically speaking. But... I think that if you keep Henry, you and I, I guess I don't know where you're drafting at because this is a, a you know a keeper redraft league. So what position are you drafting at? That that also I think just kind of determines this because if you're like a top four pick, you know if you're fourth overall in the draft, you can still two. get. A, is he number two? He's, he says oh, it in there. Yeah, he's yeah. number second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's Michael Pittman for me because you are going to be able. You could probably get cam Akers at the number two pick depending upon what other people keep and stuff like that cam Akers is, is going to be around there's going to be other running backs around i don't know what the makeup of the teams is and that's going to have to be something where you do some kind of a uh, internal analysis as far as the league who's going to be keeping what to your best of your ability but I, I can promise you at number two pick you are going to be able to get a very good running back that's you're going to do it right so you get derrick henry as an rb1 whatever you draft is also probably an rb1 and then you get Michael Pittman, who I like a lot. I Like I mentioned earlier, I have him finishing as a top 10 wide receiver this year or very close to it. I think that he is extremely talented. He got a quarterback upgrade. All the things I mentioned, go rewind about 30 minutes ago and you will hear my analysis on him if you missed it. I just like Michael Pittman a lot. And, and I, I like Cam Akers as well, but you can get an, another great running back there. Michael Pittman is Josh Allen. Here's the thing. I love Josh Allen. Josh Allen is going to be great. But the disparity between quarterbacks in a 10-team league, which is what you were in, is not insane. You can find a top-tier quarterback that will be usable. So where can you get positional advantages at? You have to be looking at that. Is Josh Allen going to be that positional advantage for you? Perhaps. But... I would rather have a wide receiver that I know week in and week out I can count on as a top-end wide receiver that I can put in my starting lineup. And then I can grab a quarterback like a Russell Wilson or a Trey Lance or a Jalen Hurts, somebody who has tremendous upside just as well for using their feet 
but is also going to finish as a top-tier quarterback because the point disparity is not insane. And if you have a top-tier wide receiver versus somebody who is a wide receiver too that you're hoping gets a touchdown every week, the point disparity is a lot bigger. So I, I understand wanting to keep Josh Allen. I would not do that personally. I would rather keep a guy who's going to get fed early and often versus just try and keep a quarterback who finished at QB1 last year. Yeah, I, uh, first of all, yes, do not keep Josh Allen for all the, all the reasons that were stated. In a ten-team league, you can wait till your second to last pick, and you can pick up uh, you, you can pick up Kirk Cousins or you can pick up Justin Fields, and either of those guys are going to be perfectly usable. You might as well use that draft capital to get some skill positions and make your life a lot easier. Ten-team leagues, there are plenty of quarterbacks, so do not waste draft capital or keeps on quarterbacks. It's just silly, so don't do that. I think the the decision is between Michael Pittman and Cam Akers, 100% agree, and I think it largely depends on who uh, that your your league mates are keeping. Because I know Slapdog had mentioned, okay, at the number two pick, you're going to get a good running back. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. It's hard to believe that you know somebody owned these top tier running backs last year, and it's hard to believe that they're going to be giving them up, especially if they have a pick later in the draft. So. I think that there's a very good chance Cam Akers is your best bet. If you're able to put Cam Akers and Derrick Henry as your as two running backs and then pick up hopefully one more that is usable, you're going to secure that running back room, which is the most scarce position in this draft besides probably tight end. So it's one of those things where it depends on what everyone else is keeping. If you have a lot of people that are choosing to keep top-tier wide receivers, um, then yeah, then Michael Pittman's probably the way to go because you can find value at running back. But if everyone in the draft is keeping these top six, top seven running backs, then you're going to have to scrounge even more so than usual for that value. And I think Cam Akers might be the answer to that. Yeah. And, and like I said, it, it in large part depends on the other makeups of the other teams and what you think is the best value for them to keep. And if, if they do what you think they're going to do, then you have to adjust accordingly because that's that's the name of the game so it is interesting i we just transitioned our league of record into a one keeper league and i'm excited to have some of these problems next year myself because it, it adds another, a deeper element to fantasy football which is anytime you can do that it, it brings some some fun and value to it and i think that's, that's it. it is that's that all it? the questions we got all right perfect Ladies and gentlemen, brainiacs of all ages, shapes, and forms, thank you for tuning into another episode of Leather Brains. We hope that, dude, we did an hour just covering news and questions. That's crazy. We didn't even have a meet. We just got two buns. Hopefully it was still good content between those two buns. I, I hope so. So let us know what you think. Go follow us on Twitter. That is where we are going to be doing some live streaming down the road. Uh, and, and we hope you guys enjoy that and find some value in it as well as this episode and any other ones that we put out. So we appreciate your guys' continued support. This is why we do this, and we are out. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leather Brains. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app and YouTube, as well as following us at Leather Brains on Twitter and Instagram. If you're looking for specific fantasy advice, including draft advice, trade insight, starts and sits, or even if you want our thoughts on your sports bets, please feel free to send us a DM on Twitter for an answer and a chance to have your question featured on a future episode. Again, thank you for tuning in, and we'll be back before you know it.